It's not enough to simply be the best product anymore. You have to show people why it matters to them. That's why positioning and messaging is everything. It's how you connect to what customers really care about, make your product's value clear, and stand out from the rest. Easy, right? No, it's not. But you can learn from folks who have faced and conquered these challenges before. So join me, Emma Stratton, as I talk to top product marketing leaders about the wild and wonderful world of messaging, the thrills, the spills, the hard-won truths, and the total myths, the adventures in messaging. And welcome to another week of Adventures in Messaging. I'm Emma Stratton, and today I'm joined by the wonderful Andrew Stinger. Hello, product and company marketing lead at Coda. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Emma. Thank you for having me and for having uh, my senior dog, Trousers, who did not want to leave my lap for our session today. So apologies (laughs) if snores make it into the broadcast. Hey, I'm glad you're able to provide that care um, that your your dog needs. It's it's good to have him here as well. Um, So... I think, you know, you have such amazing background and experience in product marketing, and I'm super excited to dive into it. And I would love to start by talking about, you know, that moment where you really realized that product marketing was for you. And it was working on a certain button that has become, well, a very big part of my life and a very big part of zillions of other people on the planet. So tell us about that moment. Yeah. Um, Like a lot of product marketers, uh, I did not just parachute into a product marketing role. Um, So my first real exposure to product marketing, uh, I was working with some folks who are also now fellow employees here at Coda. uh, And we were working on this project about 10, 11 years ago to put the skip button on YouTube video ads. Um, So I was working more on a sales enablement and narrative development team that connected with product marketing and with the product team. And my team's job was really to figure out how on earth do we convince advertisers who have been used to buying cost per mill, you know, CPM, forced view ads, that now it's a good thing that people could skip their ad. Uh, and how does this new cost per view model work? Because that actually was not a thing a decade ago. Um, and thankfully, I'd say roughly 99% of our clients like really got it when we came up with that initial narrative. Um, And we were able to head off so many objections by taking the time to do user studies, craft a really artful story and get not just feedback from the market, but make sure there was really good collective internal buy-in on the market uh, and the narrative that we were taking to it. So it was really rad. And it's something that I'll forever be proud of on my resume that when people skip uh, ads that they don't want to see and when they watch the ones they do want to see because they're engaged, uh, that I had a small part in that. Hey, I, I really have a lot to thank you for because I use that button all the time. And yes, I do sometimes linger and watch. I'm dying um, to know who gets your attention, but I know we have a limit. Sometimes time. out of horror and hatred, but also sometimes out of interest. <laughs> it's weird how it works both, both ways. So I think that's awesome. So tell me, I would love to know, like you've worked with a lot of great teams, a lot mm-hmm. of great uh, leadership, got a lot of great people. What is there any like awesome core advice, any Anything that you heard from a mentor or you learned along the way that you would love to share? Oh, gosh. Um, my former manager and now still enduring mentor is a phenomenal woman named Erin Schaefer. Um, I had the privilege of actually reporting to her twice in two different roles at Google and YouTube. She's now uh, running some operations at Niantic. And she, 
I think it was one of those moments where you can just tell a manager's like reaching deep into your soul to name the frustration that like you don't even know you have. Uh, and her advice to me was, Andrew, your job communicating is not done until you've been understood. Um, and at that time, this had more to do with, I was doing a lot of cross-functional project management and almost like consulting uh, on the expansion of the Google Preferred Ads program. And my mindset was, hey, I've synthesized all the key points into an email for my team and I've sent them the email. So now they have to own that knowledge. Or I presented uh, the presentation one time and my work here is done, which was really just me being overconfident in my communication abilities and not necessarily taking the time to think about the fact that different audiences have different communication needs, have different context. Um, so since then, it's really transformed the way that I look internally about taking the time to check for understanding. So even here at Coda, um, you know, we are fully remote and our core product is a, a doc-based platform. Um, and we use, uh, Coda runs on Coda, we use our product all yeah. day. But just putting something in the doc that other people are reading doesn't mean that it's being understood. Um, and I have some fun examples of, of ways this is born externally, Please. but again, I'll, I'll defer to you on timing and how many of my wacky stories we get to hear. No, today. let's have a wacky story because, you know, the idea of being understood, I think so many of us, it's like, I dropped it, like I'm done here. And a lot of it's because we got a lot going on and there's a lot of over communication yeah. and we're tired, um, but <laughs> this, <laughs> we're tired. <laughs> we're like, you got this great. I'm going to go on to the next thing, but this idea of taking the time to, to be sure that you're understood, I think is really important. So yeah, I'd love a story that you could share around sure. this. Um, I mean, first and foremost, uh, like thinking about launch messaging, right? Um, and here I'll really quick reference another great Google leader I learned from Lexi Reese, um, who's at Gusto now. Um, and she has said in a couple different conversations I've been privileged to be a part of, um, by the time you're bored of hearing the message, people are like just starting to understand it, right? Yes. Uh, which to me as a product marketer means you don't just ship a message on launch day and that's it. Um, sometimes in startup land, like we have to, right? But there's always an opportunity to revisit reframe. And um, one example for this for me was, I previously was on the product marketing team at Instagram uh, when the close friends stories rolled out. I didn't work directly on the product. I was working on creator tools and experiences, which is interesting because one of the problems we were tackling was how can we help a creator economy grow on Instagram? Uh, there are creators that want to monetize their experience. Um, but the close friend sharing was really meant for all people on Instagram. And it was under uh, the umbrella messages of, you know, sharing the things that matter to you, get liking the things you love. And maybe you want to do that uh, with smaller, more intimate groups of people, your actual close friends. And we don't want you to feel like you're constrained by having to broadcast everything to everyone. So all this great noble intent was there. All these beautiful launch day assets were prepared. And the go-to-market messaging was really crisp and really clear about this value, about encouraging you to share um, with trust and, and with the people who are closest to you. And it, I think it was literally the next day uh, that there were articles um, that were coming out saying, oh, cool, people are saying Venmo me $15 to be in my close friends. And it was like, oh, shoot, did Instagram accidentally just like make OnlyFans on Instagram? And, and I think what really happened was the core sharing narrative that worked so well when just stories launched on Instagram um, really should have worked for close friend stories. Right. But the marketplace had really evolved since then. And you had platforms like Patreon right. where people were monetizing. So that new mind shift, no matter what our message was, we were missing the context and we were missing the shared understanding. So even though we put this message out, um, there probably could have been more testing, especially with honestly the creator audience to say, um, do you understand what we're going for here? Does this land with you? Can we nurture you 
into using this new product the way that we're kind of prescribing it to be used. Um, and then of course there were, you know, ways to revisit that messaging. We got very lucky, um, not very lucky are the Instagram partnerships team. I don't know a harder working team. Uh, they found folks who were willing to like say, this is how I use close friend stories. And it kind of curved the behavior uh, a little bit. And then, um, yeah, so it was just an interesting byproduct of a well-intentioned message that probably could have undergone more testing, probably could have gone more just market shift uh, calibration. Um, we were not understood with that message uh, at first, but eventually through some rearticulation and more direct messaging, uh, the partnerships team especially, and that marketing team that launched close friend stories and really lead sharing experiences did a phenomenal job pivoting on what was kind of a, a weird day or two. You know, you don't, well, there are probably some products that I guess want to hear their their product name in the same article as OnlyFans, but I, I don't think Instagram is one of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love how you talk about context because it's key to understanding and context yeah. is really, it, it, it's everything with messaging and, and positioning. So what were some, what are some tips when you talk about testing and making sure you have the right context, what are some tips that, you know, marketers can use to kind of, you know, see, test that out for their message? Yeah, I mean, obviously get to know your customers at every single opportunity. Uh, a, a persona is great, and it can also be really great in framing your work with your product teams. Right. Uh, but by the second you've done the work of um, catalyzing a certain set of personas, they've probably already changed. Right. Um, one example is, you know, something that I get to take pride in, but I have to confess I didn't come up with is, is Coda. We have this tagline that was on billboards and buses uh, meant to underscore the pain felt by a user switching different uh, apps and software and tabs. Uh, and the tagline was enough of the sheet. So good. Uh, it was on, so good. You can go to our homepage and see it today. Awesome. Um, mad props to Laura on our brand team for leading the charge on that tagline and Seth for the graphics. Um, and that was really exciting for us. And I don't think we could have anticipated actually um, how impactful that message would be when we ran this campaign, by the way, in January and February of 2020. And then we all kind of know what happened in March of The edge of the cliff, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so one, there's two parts there, right? We were really excited about all of the uh, persona development we had that said, let's continue targeting in the Bay Area. Let's do out of home and measure and iterate from there. And then no one's leaving their house. So we're not exactly investing in out of home. Uh, but the second piece was, wow, now teams are shifting to fully remote and they are using more software to facilitate that time fully remote. The economy of attention on screen time has just gone crazy because now everyone's saying, well, this is where we have to reach new users. Right. Um, I'm not gonna say that we immediately spun up brand new personas and pivoted, but we definitely did say, okay, there's a different tension that we need to solve for and potentially a broader audience who we now get to solve it for. Uh, whereas before, I think at the beginning of 2020, um, to use like crossing the chasm type language, um, product tinkerers and folks like that uh, would have been more likely to try out a new tool like Coda or a newer tool. Uh, now we're finding folks from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of business needs and firmographics are using Coda because they need a solution that pulls, you know, their docs, their spreadsheets, their apps into one surface and lets them really run a business. Um, but anyway, so all that is to say is your, your paradigm may shift and your personas may change as well. And I believe the actual question was like testing, right? Um, right we still had really great feedback from getting that campaign in market, right? We saw that people responded to the tagline and we're posting it on good. Twitter, which is like the <laughs> so dream, good. right? Like who's tweeting billboards? Uh, yeah. They have to be really good, thank God. And we said, okay, well, 
let's shift it to a digital campaign. Let's do a blog post on how we came up with the tagline. Let's put these images in Giphy uh, so we can actually use them as GIF responses from our corporate account. By the way, if you search enough of this sheet and tweet responses, you can use it too. Uh, <laughs> but like, these are all things that I don't know were top of mind um, until we realized the attitudes and experiences of our audience had shifted. And then my other tip is just like, everything is a test. You know, like right. it's not that you have to always formally set up a structural test, but any new digital campaign, any new sales conversation, right. any um, new piece of content that you put out, like <laughs> feedback is a gift. Um, and I don't always ask for this gift, but it is given really liberally <laughs> in an increasingly connected world. And that's a chance to obviously apply your own filters to what feedback you do and don't pivot on. But like truly everything is an opportunity to test. And the more time you give yourself to conduct those tests, whether that's in a formal or informal environment, the more lead time you give yourself for a campaign to iterate, the more you are going to be able to kind of make that concentric circle get even closer and closer to the bullseye as you do that. Yeah, I love that. I really love this idea that everything you write is a test, not just this phase, like, and also this expectation of nailing the perfect words, right? right? Just like first time or like there is some perfection out there, like a statue, right? It's like, no, it's evolving. Context is always shifting. And I think 2020 has taught everyone um, that, that you got to kind of roll with the, roll with the yeah. punches and, I, and, and adapt. I'm not going to say that this advice is something you should apply between the hours of nine and five, your local time. But like, what's the great writing advice is um, draft drunk, uh, edit sober. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's the same kind of like get out of your way. Like, um, everything isn't a final draft when you get started. Um, and that's especially tough, right? Um, and I own this uh, as someone who works on collaborative documents where you could be right. writing in a doc that someone's watching. That's okay. Everyone's working with the garage door up and building in public now anyway. Right. So just make sure you have a team around you that you trust that they're not evaluating the sentence as you write it. And that's okay. And in fact, even if they are, that means they care. And that's, that's a test, right? right? Like, does your team care about the work you're doing? Are they involved in this message? Are they giving you meaningful feedback? Like even that is a way to test messaging and one that I feel really privileged to have access to at Google or at Google. I did at Google, um, at Coda, where a lot of our employees came from Google. <laughs> right. Yeah. It sounds like you're a, you're a crew that's been kind of moving around together in the same circles. No, it's it's incredible. I mean, what a privilege to work at these companies and, and be a part of these products. I mean, um, it's just really, really cool. Hey, you made it all the way through. Thank you for listening. And as a reward, here's a little extra bonus content. Okay, Andrew, I am completely obsessed with all your anecdotes and <laughs> I'm a nerd and I could listen to them all day. So I want another juicy personal story about another like messaging challenge you solved in your past. Yeah. Um, naming is, is so important and, and so hard to get right. Oh, God. Um, again, I joined Coda uh, after it was officially called Coda, which by the way, is a doc spelled backwards. Um, so but, I just uh, thought it like the music. I thought it was music. We'll take like any application for it you have. It's also a film with Patrick Stewart, I think. Uh, which like maybe wasn't great for our SEO initially, but we're getting there. It's a really uh, good name though. It's really good. What was the name previously? Um, I believe uh, in, I think I can say this, uh, while they were building the product out, it was uh, the Krypton Project. Okay, um, Coda's so good. And it's thanks. a talk backwards. Wow. Well, and I actually, I liked the the musical uh, analogy because, you know, it's, it's what's at the end of yep. the song or what you add. And 
really one of the main reasons that we're working on what we're working on at Coda is, you know, one of the first things that was made, oh, hello, Trousers has opinions too. Is it Trouser? Uh, trousers is this trousers. dog's name. You can hear quick, say hi. There we go. Trousers, go. oh my gosh, so <laughs> cute. Um, but like when computers were invented, one of the first things we made were digital documents, right? And you think about like, yeah, we added fonts, we added some new things to the toolbars, but by and large, the biggest stepwise change in their functionality um, was putting them in the cloud, which yep. Google did, you know, maybe two decades ago. But what's the next meaningful change? And, and we think we're it, you know, like bring your unstructured data and structured data into one place. So while it's a doc spelled backwards, we think it is hopefully the yeah. next part of a really beautiful song. Right. But you and I had a little time to uh, go back and forth before this. So I have a hunch what you'd really like to dig into is um, the TrueView video ads naming. Um, so thank you for indulging me and in talking about Coda, which I love. Obviously, I'm here. Um, but uh, I actually uh, got involved with video advertising uh, at Google, including the Skip Button Project, uh, because I had joined a sales team at Google that actually sold cable television advertising through the Google ads platform. This was a real thing. So like you could run your TV ad on Bloomberg business television and buy it via auction through AdWords. Um, around that time, people were starting to expand the aperture on what the promotion and advertising possibilities of YouTube were. And we realized, hey, we have these video assets, let's get them on YouTube. So from, from an inside out perspective, the name that made sense for this TV ad sales team where we're talking to clients getting their video assets was just, TV ads online. And the narrative was sure. simple. Take your TV ad online. Um, <laughs> right. But what we realized was once you got out of that enterprise class of, of advertiser who was used to advertising on television, was some of these smaller and mid-market businesses who had never done that felt actually disenfranchised by the proposition of it having to be a TV quality ad, right? Like, especially knowing that the content on YouTube, like what people love is the authenticity of the makers who are creating content on YouTube. So we started to realize that was happening. And we also realized that like TV ads online was conjuring these images and, you know, families lean back in their living room or, you know, they leave the room when the TV ad comes on. Um, and it, it also led to hard conversations around perceived quality of YouTube content and TV quality. Um, our way out of the woods was relatively quick and painless. It was driven by a really expert product management and product marketing management team where again, I was pretty junior in my career wearing my little sales enablement hat in the corner, just participating how I could. Um, and it was those teams as well as um, leads and, and just people we kind of pulled internally, shared their points of view and feedback on how that positioning was going, trying out new terms just in, in their pitch decks. Uh, and then there were traditional name storming activities and, and voting activities that took place internally. And then additional message testing, like, okay, we think it's these three. How does it look uh, in the actual pitch deck? How does it sound when we pitch it? What's client reception? And then eventually the team rightfully landed on um, TrueView video ads as the naming convention. And I think what that really showed was the value prop of cost per view. Like this is a true view of someone viewing your ad. Right. Uh, and it just removed all kind of the emotions that people attached to TV advertising. Um, and I want to say uh, our head of product design lane was, he might've been the one who came up with that name. The only thing I successfully named when I was on that team was the internal ad reservation booking tool, which I think has been deprecated. So, uh, but I will also say, and this is a total shameless plug, but if like name storming gives you heartburn, go to docgallery.com. That's the code of doc gallery. My teammate, Laura has this incredible name storming doc where it lets you actually like 
vote and rank uh, options and automatically apply them in sentences so you can see them. And we use that at Coda and it has been so, so helpful. And I wish we had that 10 years ago, but I'm really glad we had the team we did and the opportunity to do both internal and external testing in the way we did to arrive at TrueView. But wow. TV ads online, it worked for eight of us. It did not work for the longevity of uh, the product. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, you know, you're working for large companies that, you know, have, are able to have these budgets and do all this testing. And it's, it's incredible, really, because I think there are so, I mean, naming, naming is such a thing. Yeah. So I, my background is actually, before I got into tech and, and this sort of messaging in this space, I worked for consumer product goods in Europe, doing uh, naming like foods and I've, I mean, I've branded like trains, sex toys, sausages, <laughs> like the UK's number one vibrator. I um, helped. Was that a sausage name. or a, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Yeah, I know, right. It was, it was linked to the saw. There's a lot of like, you know, phallic uh, things that we branded. I'm a gay man so, from San Francisco. I see that when I walk down to get my groceries. So we're fine here. <laughs> exactly. But naming really um, is a dark art. And yeah. And it brings some, it brings people's, it's very emotional. Yes. And people, people have like, they either have names that they feel really attached to, right? So they attach emotion to it or it gets super subjective and people attach like a lot of like negative baggage with yeah. certain words. And it's really hard to kind of get a group together. So I love, I, you know, I think I'm going to use that resource that you have on Coda to actually, <laughs> when you get it in a process and scoring, right, let's take the, I don't like this. I hate that word out of yeah. it. Right. And actually let's look at how this works and, and make a decision. Yeah. Um, I one of the things I'm really grateful for is the tight work between our brand team and our product and company marketing team at Coda. Um, so in addition to doing these more formal naming exercises, we earmarked time last summer and we said, what's the company dictionary? Like, what are the nouns we feel very strong about alignment on? And that's a naming exercise. Then like one level up, what are like the core building blocks that make our product what it is? And then one level up, like what is our product and how do we talk about that? And I think, you know, we are a Series C startup that was right around our Series C as well. And we had very good like canonical terminology, but just taking the time to make that a singular resource and have those conversations and then kind of take it on a roadshow throughout the company was really, really helpful for us. And, and I think now it's almost like when we do do a naming exercise, we have all the ingredients, we have our dictionary of nouns, we have all of the uh, culinary utensils we need. We have that name storming doc. We have another template for like, I like, I wish, kind of like defanging the feedback that people would bring into a process. And so right. like, I hate this. Like, it's like, well, I wish it was X being more solutions oriented. Um, so those processes, like things that used to terrify me before, especially, you know, there's tons of great thought leadership on naming, but there's no possible way to apply all of it. But right. if you have your little, you know, utility belt and your ingredients and your tools, like, I get excited every time I get to do that now, which is why like, call me PMM for life. Like, let's roll, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is unique to be like really excited about a naming initiative, but yeah, you get the right tools, then it takes a lot of, you know, the fear and the anguish out of it. And you can just have fun, right? And yeah. that's what a good tool is for. And you sold me on Coda, Andrew, <laughs> so. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> Hope, well, I mean, there are, you know, 25,000 plus teams using Coda and we have um, tens of thousands and millions of views on published docs. So feel free to come join the bandwagon. Yeah, um, maybe the I time. will. 
Maybe I will. Now's the time. That's when you're right. ready to say well, enough of this sheet. <laughs> enough of this sheet. All right. I don't even go near sheets. So don't worry about that. I'm like an anti sheet. It's like kryptonite <laughs> for me. I can't even use them. But it's been amazing talking with you. Thank you for all your stories. I wish we had time for more. Um, but just so fascinating the things that, you know, your experiences and, and everything. So thank you for sharing with everyone. Thank you so much for this privilege and just creating a space for folks to interact in a time unlike anything else in our lives. I think it's so cool that we have these kinds of opportunities now. I wish the catalyst for them were different, but I am really, really grateful to uh, join you guys and contribute hopefully some, some useful stuff and hopefully a lot of fun too. Well, I'll be thinking about you tonight when I'm skipping a nap on YouTube. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So good, Andrew. That was awesome. Thank you. Oh my God, so that flew good. by. <laughs> I know it flies by. It goes by so fast. And yeah, but that was just awesome. I love all your stories. Oh, my thing's falling out. I love all your stories. <laughs> and uh, we talked about some things that people haven't talked about. So I love that. Yes. All right. Awesome. I well, can tell your humanities. <laughs> that's what it is, you know? It's this. And foremost soul cycle instructor. So like it all comes You're together. You're a what? I used to teach Soul Cycle. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I literally I, just. Uh, I, see your, uh, until... I see your bike in the back. Yeah, well, don't tell. That's a Peloton. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I taught for five years, full time for two years, and then part time up until March. Honestly, you, you must have an insane like physique. And I mean, are you so fit? Uh, no, because I love pie. But <laughs> <laughs> but now you can eat pie. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, things I could have just been going, um, honestly, really excitingly well. So I wanted to, oh, there he goes in the corner. Um, but I just wanted to uh, focus on my time on this. Um, so, and to have opportunities like this, this has been really awesome. and valuable. Yeah, yeah, really awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure meeting you. I've really, awesome. really enjoyed our talk. Same, have a great afternoon. All right, you too. Take See care. You. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Cheers for listening. For more messaging fun, sign up for my newsletter at punchy.co forward slash newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter.